0: Well, good
1: morning, everybody. Good morning. You guys doing all right this morning? Yes. Yeah. If you're joining us online, welcome to Solano Valley. For those of you here in person, welcome to Solano Valley in person. Yeah. I'm excited. Who's excited about this this weather? Woo-hoo. I don't know about you guys, but I am, I 70s and 80s is like perfect. And so I'm excited to get, uh, I'm excited to be outside and not be inside and have all this great weather. So. Why do we all stand up together as we sing? The
2: weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper when the darkness comes.
0: God sir, knows
2: only how to triumph. My God will never
0: fail. Sing
2: my God. Oh, my God, God will, will never fail. fail. I'm going
0: to see a victory. I'm going to see a
2: victory for the battle. a victory, I'm going to see a victory,
0: for the battle
2: belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus, and every war he wages he will win. Why not backing down from any giant? I know how this story ends I know I know how this story ends I'm going to see
0: I'm going to see a victory
2: I'm going to see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm going to see a victory I'm going to see a victory When you turn it for good, you turn it for good. One more time you take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. When you turn it for good, you turn it for good. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures that fail. Here in your life Lord, you've seen them all. You still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountain
0: He's the God of the valley.
2: And there's not a place where mercy and grace won't find me again. The dancing. You give beautiful ashes. You turn shame into glory. you the. shame into glory, you're the only...
0: You turn mourning to dancing.
2: You give beauty for
0: ashes.
2: You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn turn graves into guidance. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways, you're the only one who can, you turn graves graves into gardens, you turn
1: Heavenly Father, this morning we uh, sing that out. God, we worship you as we um, head into this next week, celebrating you. God, celebrating what you've done for us. God, we we declare that this morning. Father, we worship you. God, we thank you for this church. God, we thank you for the chance to come and sing, the chance to come and worship you. He proudly sings your name. Amen.
3: That's not the right one. Hello? Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Kimberly, and this is my friend Jet. You guys all know Jet. Give Jet a big round of applause. Jet's going to help me out today with announcements, and then we're going to teach you something fun. Right, Jet? Well, we want to just say thank you for being here. Welcome to SDC. And for everyone who's viewing this on YouTube or Facebook Live, we want to say thank you for joining us. And if you could like or comment so we could interact with you during the service, that would be great. So this morning, I want to encourage you to visit our Facebook page and to download our SVC app. So these are the best ways for you to get information quickly. And the SVC app is a great place for you to tithe, look up what's coming up in our calendar, to... See where you can serve and plug in. So, download the app. You can go to the App Store or to Google Play. So, tonight I want to invite you to Revival Prayer. It's tonight at 6 30, and it's right here in this building. And if you've never been to Revival Prayer, I want to encourage you to come. It's such a wonderful time where we get together and agree in Jesus' name about things that are going on in our community. We pray for each other, we pray for our country, and it's a powerful time of prayer. So I want to encourage you to come. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to stand up and lead anything. If you just want to come and pray in your heart in agreement with us, you will find that it is um, life-changing to come and pray together with a group of people. So I want to invite you tonight at 6.30 p.m. in the building. So Easter is coming up in one week. (laughs) I'm so excited because, you know, as we're driving through um, Vacaville and and through Fairfield, you guys, you know what's so crazy? You can see the side of the hill where the fire was, and you can see how green, it's so beautiful. And you look at the other side of the hill, and it's so beautiful, but it's not as vibrant and green and, and wonderful as the side that had a little damage to it, right? And so we know spring is coming, and that's the way that God is. You know, sometimes he has to, um, you know, light a fire under us, or he has to change some stuff in us for us to become refreshed and renewed. And spring and Easter is, is kind of a me- the message of that, right? That God had to literally die for us so that he could come back and renew us and to take away our sins. And so Easter is a fantastic time for us to invite people to come to church and to hear that message of salvation and about how Jesus loves us. And so we want to ask you to invite people to our Good Friday service. It's April 2nd at 6 p.m. We're having service at the church. And then again on Easter, on the 4th at 10 a.m., we'll be giving out Easter baskets to all the families with kids that are going to have some great stuff inside of it that they can take home and you can participate as a family. And so we want, it's going to be a joyful day. So we hope you're there. Yeah, all the poppies. I know, it's gorgeous. All the mustard flowers and all the things that are coming with spring. So a gift, Proverbs 18:16 says, A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. See, God knows the power of a gift. And that's why he didn't institute a church tax. Okay, it doesn't cost you money to come into church, right? He wanted everybody's gift to be one that comes from their heart. He wanted it to be given from your own will so that when blessings come, we can understand how God works. He freely gives, and so should we. So in a moment, we have the opportunity to be ushered into the presence of God and worship through our giving. So as much as he's graciously given to us, when we enter into the presence of God with worship as a gift, you guys, we get that blessing back. So there's four ways for us to give today. You can go online at solanovalley.org backslash giving. You can tap give on the SVC phone app that you're downloading right now. You can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, California, 94534. You can text give to 707-883-3019. And if you're here in person, you can drop it in the letterbox at the back of the church. All right, Jet, are you ready? Okay. <laughs> so, Jet, last week, Joey preached this awesome, awesome message about loving your neighbor. And he told us that, you know, Jesus told us to go and to show mercy to everyone that we come across. And Jesus spoke a lot in the Bible about how to treat our neighbors. In fact, he told us that one of the greatest commandments is to love our neighbor as ourselves. So, Jet, who, who is our neighbor yeah, everybody that we come across, right? Not just the person that literally lives next to us, they are our neighbor, but everybody that we come across is our neighbor. And so we need to experience God's love so that we can show it to other people. And in John, 1 John 4, 8 says, anyone who does not love does not love, anyone who does not love does not know God. So you can't know God if you don't love people. That's what the Bible says but do you know why we have to read a little bit further into that verse. And it said, God is love. So God is a whole lot of things. And it's difficult to kind of use one or two words to describe God, right? But it's always safe to say that God is love. That's who he is. It's what he does in a nutshell. So today, I want to show you something really cool about God's love. Okay. All right. So jet, it's hard to kind of measure love, right? So show me with your arms how much your parents love you. Show me how big their love is. Yeah, but even that doesn't really show us, like, how much your parents love us, right? So that's kind of how God is. God is like this can of shaving cream, okay? Whoa. Here, it's okay. Look, we got to back up. Okay. So God is like this can of shaving cream, right? Okay, and we're kind of like this glass jar. Okay. So we know that God is full of love. Shake it around. You can hear it. Right. But we can't see how much love is inside of God. So to really show you the love of God, we need to get this out in the open. Wait, wait. (laughs) I know you're excited because God wants to fill us with your love. Okay, Jet. Start filling that bottle with the love of God. Um Wow, Jet, that's a lot of love. Um, see, when God fills us with his love, man, we overflow, right? It overflows into every part of our life. So if we keep this love on the inside, it doesn't do all the good that we know it can do. We have to keep on loving. Our, that love has to keep on coming out. That love that God gives us has to be expressed. It has to overflow. Oh, my gosh. The glass couldn't contain it all, and neither should our lives. When you have love being expressed and overflowed, our lives go so much smoother. Kind of like this smooth shaving cream. Love expands and it grows and it just keeps coming and coming. And just when you think it's run out, just when you think it's run out, it hasn't, has it? Nope, it keeps coming. It keeps coming. See, God loves us more than we can possibly even know, experience, or imagine. And when, and when we start to be full of God's love, we can express it to everyone around us. It overflows us. It touches every part of our lives. All right, Jet. Awesome job, Jet! <laughs> All right, who else wants to experience this awesome love of God? Who wants the overflowing love of God in their lives? Why don't you pass some of those shaving creams out to some of the kids over there? Don't use them yet, but go home and you can experience this kind of love of God in your backyard, okay? Alright Jet, awesome job. Give Jet a hand here.
4: Good morning, everybody. That's perfect. You remembered how tall I am this week. Oh, it's darker in here than it was last week. Can you guys see me? I can barely see you. Um, Thanks for being here this morning. Um, Welcome to church. Welcome to Solano Valley. This is my second time. So if you're new, we're in the same boat. Uh, I was here last week, Pastor Gary and I have been getting to know each other um, for the last few months and um, building some uh, a bit of a, a friendship and so it's been awesome thanks for having me out here um, is anybody here last week anybody here last week okay so if you weren't here uh, last week you have no idea why I'm here um, <clears throat> but yeah my name's Joey I'm from a church out in San Jose uh, called Westgate Church and um, uh, Pastor Gary knows some people through a Venture Church network, which uh, Westgate is also part of, and so there's a bunch of staff from tons of different churches who help each other out. Um, no competition. So uh, before we get started, I just wanted to share with you um, why I chose the the topic for last week and for this week. Um, when I was talking to Pastor Gary, we he asked me, hey, what's, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? What's kind of been going on? What have you been teaching on um, to your students? I'm a middle school pastor out in San Jose. And <clears throat> the thing that had been on my heart for the last few months is getting back to the basics of our faith. And wherever you're at in your faith, I don't know really any of your names. So I couldn't even know your faith, but you're here. And so I can assume at least a little bit. I felt that it was important to me to... Um, address the basics the fundamentals of our faith and I believe that the church does a great job at teaching tons of different topics like how to deal with anxiety and depression how to deal with financial hardship and um, really really bad news and and bad diagnosis and stuff like that getting together in life groups community fellowship those are all really good things But I think sometimes um, it's easy to get away from the basics like mercy, like salvation, like repentance, like sin, like the reasons that Jesus is even a thing at all. Um, Because with some of those fundamentals, if we didn't have sin or we didn't have um, salvation or repentance, then maybe the way that our faith looks would be different. And so last week we talked about mercy. Um, Kimberly, thanks for the intro on that. Last week we, we read the story of the Good Samaritan. And, uh, we read that basically when we, um, not only were we called and, and commanded to be merciful and, um, give mercy to everybody, but the story of the good Samaritan we read was where the guy was, uh, had mercy on the, the man who was beat up and went over and above standard expectations of just helping, but he gave two days wages. He put him on his own donkey, changed all of his plans, brought him to a hotel and said, Hey, hotel innkeeper. Whatever other expenses you need while I'm gone to take care of this guy, I'll I'll reimburse you. He went over and above and beyond what normal uh, mercy looks like. And today, we're going to be learning about forgiveness. Um, And for me, when I was planning this message, it it kind of turned into a bit of a different message than I'm used to. I wasn't expecting it to to happen like this. Um, And we'll get there. So let me pray, and then we'll, we'll get started. God, thanks uh, for everybody here and everybody watching on the live stream. I pray that there would be super strong Wi-Fi here and at at our homes, um, and I pray that uh, we'd be able to feel your presence today. And thank you for all of the worship, um, the teaching, the leadership here, um, all of the the people here as the church. And um, I just ask that everything that is done today is glorifying to you, edifying to us as we go through this sanctifying process. In your name, amen. The title of my message today is, That's Not the Point. Everybody say, That's Not the Point. That's not the point. I want to pose a question to you. Um, This is a situation that I find myself in all the time. And it would help me if I also knew that some of you at least found yourself in this situation as well. This is something I've wrestled with for years. Mom and dad, if you're at home watching, I'm sorry. Um... But while I was writing this message, I felt God telling me that's not the point. And often, when I write messages, I write if you were to read it, um, you'd write you you'd read what I'm speaking. I, I write it word for word. And so, as I'm planning this, I'm planning every single little facet of the message, and then I start to argue with myself about what I haven't even written yet. And I felt God be like, "Dude, that's not the point." My question for you is this: for all of you, children and grandparents, and staff, and everywhere in between, my question for you is this. What if the person who hurt me or hurt you isn't sorry? How do I forgive somebody? How do you forgive somebody who doesn't apologize? I don't know about you, but I've grown up, again, this is sorry, mom and dad, but I've grown up assuming that if somebody does something wrong, they must then apologize and then the other person must then forgive. It's ABC, one, two, three, this, this, then that. It's a formula. You plug it in and you get forgiveness. That's what I've learned. Now, for some of you who have siblings, it looks like there's big families over here. It probably is common in your home, right? When was the last time you had to say you're sorry? Okay. That's what I figured. So, this is great. Make sure you're listening. Um, so to answer this question, what if the person who hurt me isn't sorry? It is so hard for me to wrap my head around. Because when somebody hurts me physically, emotionally, when somebody wrongs me, when somebody's just rude to me, when somebody cuts me off on the freeway and I'm never going to see him again, when when somebody does something like betrays you and you turn around and say, "Hey, just put another knife in my back." When somebody does something life-changing, catastrophic to you, it makes sense to me that they deserve your anger. It feels like I have the right, the constitutional right, which doesn't exist, to be angry with you. In those moments of when you've hurt me, just the same equation that I gave you, it's like you hurt me, sorry, you hurt me, I'm mad at you. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Am I alone in thinking this? By the way, I'm not saying this is right. I'm just being vulnerable with you. And then let's add another layer that they know they hurt you and they just don't care. How in the world am I supposed to forgive someone like this? And why... Why, God, why all of a sudden are they worthy of my forgiveness when it seems like I wasn't worth anything to them? That doesn't seem fair. And this is when God said, that's not the point. But Joey, they hurt me. You don't know what they did. That's not the point. But you don't know the ripple effect that it had on my life after they said that about me to this person. It ended up on Instagram and TikTok and it went viral. But that's not the point. But Joey, they don't even care. But they deserve for me to be mad at them. They deserve at the very least for me to get even because I want them to feel what they did to me. That's not the point. I want to stop here for a moment and say, it's obvious that I don't know all of you by name. I don't know your stories. What I do know is I'd be a fool to think that all of us in this room have been, have not been victims of something like this. And even more so, there are at least one of you in the room, I'm sure, who has had something really, really horrible happen to you. Something that you won't be able to get back. Something unspeakable. And for that, I'm sorry. And if it was somebody in the church, somebody who was a Christian, that's not Jesus. I like to tell people all the time that sometimes we do it wrong. But don't judge the heart of Jesus based on what a Christian did to you. So I don't want to belittle or demean or make make light of or a mockery or make you feel like just because you have to forgive them means that whatever they did to you doesn't validate any of your opinions and the feelings that you feel about it. I want to make sure you hear me on that, that if something horrible has happened to you, I'm not taking any of that away from you. I just felt God saying, Joey, using those as excuses to not forgive is not the point. I can prove it to you. When Jesus was dying on the cross, when he was hanging on the cross and he had nails through his wrists or his hands, depending on the translation, and he had his same with his ankles and, and, and he was being broken and beaten and lashed and mocked and spat on and dying the worst death. I can tell you that there were people in the crowd, obviously, I don't know how many and all their names, but there were people in the crowd who walked away because they couldn't bear to watch. And I'm sure that some of them were filled with sorrow. I'm sure that at some point, at least one of them was like, oh my gosh, I wish I could do something about this. But Jesus said, Father, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, God, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. Don't change your view of that person because of what they're doing to me. Because they don't know what the heck they're doing. They don't believe that I am who I say I am. They don't believe that this is actually, Father God, your plan to save them. (laughs) They don't get it. And so, Solana Valley Church, everyone here and online, for your life to potentially change around this idea of forgiveness, for you to understand what I'm getting at, for this message to work, I need you to know this next part. Forgiveness is not the result of someone saying sorry. Forgiveness is not the result of someone saying sorry. I know that we have all ages in the room. We got children, we got young parents, we got empty nesters, grandparents, great-grandparents, and what I have said and, about, and I'm and going to keep saying might seem contradictory or controversial to the way that you've grown up, the way that you've been taught, the way that you've learned. But forgiveness is not... A result of someone saying, sorry, that equation doesn't work. And I can tell you this because sometimes when somebody apologizes to me, I'm not thankful for their apology. I don't want to forgive them. What does that say about me? A pastor, a Christian, someone who's standing on stage preaching. What does that say about me and any of us in the room who might feel the same way? You know, sometimes um, I've I've made my fair share of mistakes. Sometimes it seems unfair. And I've had to say sorry a lot. Raise your hand if you like saying sorry. (laughs) Thought so. So sometimes when I hear an exchange between husband or wife or brother and sister or mom and son or whatever it is, I'm sorry that I did this. What is a general common response for the forgiver? What do they say? That's okay. What else would they say? I forgive you. What about thanks for your apology? What about thank you for saying that? In the book of Psalms, David... Um, he wrote, you knit me together in in my mother's womb. I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well. I praise you. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I think that the people who, when they are forgiving somebody and they say, that's okay, thank you for your apology, I appreciate you saying that, I think God sprinkled a little bit of extra spiritual, a little extra blessings on them when he was knitting them together, because sometimes I'm not thankful that somebody actually apologized. Sometimes I'm not. It's not okay. You hurt me. I don't want to say that's okay, because that's not how I feel. Am I alone in that? Sometimes I just want to get even. Sometimes I just want to be angry. I want to sit in this anger because I feel like they deserve it. At the very least, you hurt me. You took something from me. At least I can be angry with you. Forgiveness is not a result of someone saying sorry, but forgiveness is an attitude of your heart and of your mind. Forgiveness is like joy. Our world says, just seek happiness. Money, cars, clothes, fame, status, whatever it is. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Right? There's nothing wrong with being happy. But then that happiness as an emotion, it's fleeting. It goes away when all of those things that I listed off that create happiness suddenly disappear. Or somebody else gets a little bit more of it. And then your happiness turns into jealousy. Joy is, I like to tell my students, happiness on steroids. But even then, that doesn't do it justice. Joy is not this emotion that can be fleeting. Our joy comes from the Lord. And so no matter what is happening in our lives, we can still have joy. No matter if we end up like the Samaritan man, the one who got beat up. No matter if everything's going really well, or if somebody's just hurting us left and right, we've got to keep forgiving. We can still have joy and i believe that forgiveness is much of the same forgiveness is no matter what happens no matter what somebody says to you does about you whatever the ripple effect is that you can still forgive they are still your neighbor and you should still treat them like one and i don't believe i am willing to be challenged but I don't believe that we can love our neighbor and also harbor unforgiveness for that same person. I'm willing to be challenged. I think you might lose. Forgiveness is overlooking wrongs, not holding them against the person, the offender, because Jesus did that too, and let me remind you that none of us are being crucified. There's a Christian artist, a Christian musician. Um, his name's Andy Minio. Is anybody familiar with him? Andy Minio. Coming, Coming in hot. He is. He's my favorite musician. He's a rapper, um, which I know is like kind of weird. Like a Christian rapper, it sounds like a paradoxical thing, but. Um, He's one of my favorites. I've seen him in concert a bunch of times. And the reason I love Andy so much is because he is this lyrical genius. He isn't somebody who's in it for the fame and the fortune and everything that goes with it. He's somebody who says, I have a gift and I can make sharing the gospel in music. You don't have to just go to church or be a Christian to hear it. He put out a song with Lecrae, another, um, uh, another um, Christian artist uh, called Coming in Hot. And it is just taking the world by storm. At all the NBA stadiums, in Kim Kardashian's Instagram videos, going out to hundreds of millions of people, his music has transcended just being in the church. And he wrote a song called 1988, the year that he was born. This song is all about his life. I'm not going to rap it for you. I'm not going to play it, but we are going to read it. That costs extra. He says this. I have like four slides. Life is less of a line and more like a circle. We can't wait to grow up and pray for the reversal. Can anyone relate? (laughs) Along the way, I learned to enjoy it while you have it and forgive whoever hurt you because in the end, if you don't get healed, you get revenge. And even if it feels sweet, you never really win. It's hard to sleep, lay in bed, and have peace when you became the very thing you hated just to get even. Holy smokes. That is one of the realest things that I had ever read, heard. Like, number one, how did he do that? Like, how did he take what we're going to find Romans chapter 12 and put it into a song. Life is less of a line and more like a circle. We can't wait to grow up and then pray for the reversal along the way. I learned to enjoy it while you have it and forgive whoever hurt you along the way, because here's why in the end, if you don't get healed, you get revenge. And even if it feels sweet, even if it's awesome to just be angry with them, even if they deserve it, you never really win. It's hard to sleep, lay in bed, and have peace when you became the very thing you hated just to get even. Holy crap, you guys. Andy is referencing Romans chapter 12 in this song. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't get even. Because, by the way, if you get even... You can't win. You're tied. Like, just that alone, you're not actually winning. You just evened the playing field. And it's not self-defense. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. My dear friends. Paul, by saying my dear friends, he has these these phrases like, Therefore, truly I tell you, I urge you, brothers and sisters, or dear friends. He uses these terms, these phrases, to grab attention. It's like when he says it, it's like big, bold, italicized, underlined words Like, listen up, my dear friends, people that I deeply care about, don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. And then he references the Old Testament, where God says, it is mine to avenge. I, not you, will repay. I don't believe in karma. This is why. Number one, I don't want what I deserve. (laughs) But God said, it's mine. It's mine to take care of. I will repay. Paul goes on. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If the person who hurt you is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Get this. If you think the Bible's boring, picture this. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. You will lift up a barbecue, dump out all the charcoal onto his head. By, by doing the right thing, by forgiving the person who hurt you, you will take a fireplace and dump it on his head? Do not, become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And in the end, if you don't get healed, you get revenge. And even if it feels sweet, you never really win. It's hard to sleep, lay in bed, and have peace when you became the very thing you hated just to get even. I want to hone in on um, the part of the scripture where it says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It reminds me of the Beatitudes where we are instructed um, that Blessed are the peacemakers. It's interesting that it doesn't say peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, being a peacemaker is just if you break up the word, like you are making the peace. You are doing everything that you can to make peace. It doesn't say blessed Blessed are the peacemakers when the other person also agrees. Does that make sense? It doesn't say you are blessed as a peacemaker when you both agree. It just says when you try to make peace, you're blessed. As far as it depends on you, live with peace at everyone. Why doesn't it say as far as it depends on the person who hurt you? Why doesn't it say as far as it depends on the person who committed the The offense against you. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And everyone is everyone, including the person who hurt you. And this further solidifies my thinking that forgiveness is not a result of someone saying sorry. Forgiveness depends on, starts with, and ends with you. Forgiveness is the posture of your heart and of your mind. Forgiveness is what Jesus did for you and I. And let me remind you again that none of us are being crucified. So the next time that, this is, I'm preaching to myself right now, the next time I want to, like, take revenge and be angry and not forgive and be like, oh, woe is me, pity me, my life is horrible, they did something horrible to me, I don't need to forgive. Well, then why could Jesus do it when he was literally, like, actually dying? A six to nine hour brutal death. So my first application for you is this. Do not take revenge. The command that we have is this. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That word live is not a one-time thing. Live... I don't need to go into a, a, a Greek word study here. Live, is a, it's an active thing. And when it's done, we're not living anymore. And so this lifestyle of living this, yeah, I took a step, but I'm walking. It's a constant thing. It's a constant thing that happens in our life. It is happening as long as we're taking breaths. Live at peace with everyone. Be a peacemaker. Do what you can. Paul, the writer of Scripture, references the Old Testament where where God says, I'll take care of the aggressor. I'll take care of the offender, the one who wronged you. Therefore, there's no revenge necessary on our end. And quite frankly, I'm thankful for that. Because if God said, it is yours to avenge, we'd probably do it wrong. We'd probably take it way too far. And I think that if there was a little bit more forgiveness, a little bit more mercy, aka fundamentals of our faith, the way that our world right now would look would be immensely different. There's not a big enough word for me to describe how different it would be. To not take revenge. Because even if it feels sweet, even if everybody's calling for you to do that, you never really win. You just became the thing you hated just to get even. I just got the chills. It, it reminds me of King David when he's running through the canals and he's being pursued by King Saul. And King Saul is trying to kill David. Why is there so much killing? King Saul is trying to kill David. And over time, David has run from cave to cave to cave, from town to town to town. And over time, he's he's gotten like I can't remember if it was like 300 or, or 3,000 men who like kind of joined his team along the way. And it kind of became this like security. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, I can't remember the word, but yeah, like his 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 own you know gaggle of dudes just yeah you know his entourage and. But King Saul, you know, the king, David was anointed as king but hadn't been appointed as king yet, and there is a difference, and King Saul was chasing after him. Well, then, y'all are going to love this over here on my left. Um, There's a part in Scripture where King Saul runs into the cave because they'd been running around, and he's looking for David, and he's, he's on the right track. He's just a couple minutes behind, and King Saul says, I'm tired, but I also got to take care of some business. And scripture says that Saul went in, sat down, and relieved himself. Do you realize that the Bible just talked about the king pooping? (laughs) So they didn't have bathrooms and toilets. They had dirt, and they dug a hole, and he sat down, and he did his business. And David was there, and David had the perfect opportunity to get even, to even more so to kill King Saul. I'm, I don't know about you, but when you're in that position, ain't no way you're defending yourself. So. David, I don't mean to like write new parts into the scripture or anything, but I imagine as David, as somebody who's running away, he probably was trying to defend himself. So he probably had some sort of weapon. He probably could have gone in there and killed Saul or what he could have done is said, I don't even want to kill you. I don't want to go overboard, but I do want to get even. So I'm going to stand in front of you while you're doing your business with my men and say, if you don't leave and turn around and go away forever, but he didn't even do that. All he did was take a little bit of the piece of the cloak that he was wearing, a little slice of the coat. And even for that, he felt horrible. There's no revenge necessary. God is a God of love. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. And it's really easy to fall into the trap that that's all that God is. God is those things. I grew up Catholic, and in Sunday school, I learned that um, the story of of, of Noah was that it was this guy who grabbed two of each animal, and they went on a a cruise. That ain't the story, y'all. They were the only survivors. God was so upset with the nation at that time, he flooded the earth and said, hey, Noah, and your fam, and your animals, good luck. (laughs) God is a God of justice. He is also a God of love and mercy and grace and humility. But he's a God of justice. Let him take care of it. As far as it depends on you, this means that we need to do everything that we can to work out forgiveness in our own hearts. Everything that we can, as far as it depends on you. Everything that we can do, we have to. We have to work it out in our own hearts. You know, walking around and going about your days, if you guys are honest, you can probably think of someone that you haven't forgiven, and maybe, hopefully, I I really hope that maybe you do. But we can go about our days harboring this unforgiveness, that every time we hear somebody's name, we think, oh, well, it's okay, I'm not going to hurt them, I'm not going to do what they did to me, but every time I hear something bad about them, I go, yes. You know, little things like that. That's revenge. Does it feel sweet? Feels good, right? But walking around about our days, harboring this unforgiveness in our hearts for somebody else is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. Doesn't make sense, right? I think this is another reason why God said, let me handle it because we're actually doing more harm to ourselves than to the other person in the process. And there is no circumstance. There is no scriptural basis. There is nothing in the scriptures that I see that allows us to pick and choose when and when not to forgive. It's just something we have to do. Jesus never said that this faith is going to be easy. He just said, you got to do it. He said, take up your cross. Follow me. He said, sell all of your stuff and follow me he said die to yourself and follow me he didn't say it was going to be easy but it will definitely be worth it worship team do you guys have another song you guys can come on up my second and final application for you is this is a question you guys know I love questions do you want to be forgiven there should be a resounding yes yes Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 15, we see the Lord's Prayer. Depending on how you grew up, you might like have a, a natural way of reading it. You might not read debtors. You might read trespasses. You might read transgressions. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day or today our daily bread, which we later to come to find out is Jesus, and forgive us our debts, our transgressions, our sin, our trespasses, as we also have forgiven our debtors, as we also have forgiven the people who have hurt us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he takes it a step further, and Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father God will also forgive you. And this part, sometimes in the Bible, it is not rainbows and sprinkles and butterflies. Sometimes it doesn't feel good to read. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. I don't know how to make that sound good. I don't know how to make it be like sugarcoated. I really don't. And this isn't not that we need to doubt any other writer of scripture, but this isn't anybody else other than Jesus for, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That seems pretty clear to me. So do you want to be forgiven? then what do you need to do? Something we need to understand is that forgiveness is the only option. Actually, forgiving others is not even an option, it's an obligation. If we want this, we have to do this. We can't hold unforgiveness in our hearts because it will destroy us. Jesus commands these things not for rules and regulations and control as a puppet master or anything. He gives us free will to do whatever the heck we want. But in conjunction with that, he gives us a blueprint on how to live a life worthy of living that is holy and pleasing to him. It might not be easy, but eventually it leads to paradise. It leads to heaven. It leads to to one day no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more any of that. No more drinking poison and hoping the other person dies because no one's hurting each other. But along the way, until then, as we prayed together, our Father in heaven, hallowed glory to your name, your kingdom come where? On earth as it is in heaven. Well, if it's God's, if if it's his command that we forgive other people, and we're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done, well, his will is that we forgive people. And so if we're not forgiving people, but we are praying your kingdom come, your will be done, then nothing's going to happen because it's just empty words. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Those are in conjunction with each other. It's it's one after another. So how can we say, well, God, we've also forgiven our debtors, except for that one. So forgive me. Just don't, don't look at this part. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. We can't hold unforgiveness in our hearts. We can't. It will destroy us. God, thanks for this church. Thank you for an opportunity to um, share your good news. And God, I just ask that for all of us here, um, myself included, everybody on the live stream, that we would take to heart this command, this truth, this necessity of forgiveness. Um, And however that plays out, if that means you let us figure it out the hard way or not, God, thank you for being a God of love and mercy and grace, but also thank you for being a God of justice, for fighting for us, for upholding us with your righteous right hand, for taking care of us, for seeking avenge, saying, don't worry about it, I got it. And God, I pray that for everybody here, that person who keeps popping into our mind, that we need to forgive. I pray that you give us the courage and the boldness to go and actually do that to, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. Blessed are the peacemakers. Lord, help us in those moments to make peace in our hearts and outside with the people around us. Lord, thank you for loving us even though we don't deserve it. We can't do anything to earn it. And while we were still sinners, God, thank you for forgiving us when seemingly you had no reason to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: Who oh, am I that the highest king
0: would welcome me?
2: Because I was lost, but he brought me in, oh, his love
0: for me. Oh, his love for
2: He has ransomed me. His grace runs
0: deep.
2: While I was a
0: slave to sin, Jesus died
2: for me. Yes, He died for me. Say I am who the sun who the sun sets free woe oh, is free indeed I'm a child of God Yes I am
1: sing in my father's house in my father's house there's a place
2: for me I'm a child of God yes I am yes I am oh yes I
1: am amen amen you guys have an awesome week we will see you guys Friday night for the good Friday service And then Sunday morning for Easter.